This episode of Adventures in Aurelia brought to you by Gabe and Jeff from Interparty Conflict, Chai Kai, Fred on Fire, Avora Dawn, Zach B, and Dungeons and Randomness. You can join them in supporting the show at patreon.com slash adventures in Aurelia. Hello, and welcome to Adventures in Aurelia, a podcast where five friends sit around the table and record themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Chris, and I play Rim, a human paladin. I'm Krista, and I play as Ariel, who is an Asmar divine soul sorceress. I'm Chantel, and I play Kanina, a tiefling sorceress. I'm Caitlin, I play Tempest, a water genasi ranger. And I'm Damien, I'm the DM. This episode, we'd like to give a shout out to Acer Meadery because we have finally rebroken out the bottles that were left over from our wedding a year ago and are currently drinking it. Acer Meadery is a what what whatever the term for someone that makes mead is that is local to us, um, and we discovered his shop last year we decided to to do a groupon for him try out some of the mead because it's the first time i had ever tried mead mead is great we uh, did it at our wedding instead of a typical champagne toast and we are finishing the last two bottles of it tonight as ariel would say honey juice Hey, listeners, my name is Dave Cole, and I'm the Dungeon Master and host of a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called... Stop! Wait, Dave, say no more. They'll be enchanted by one of my songs, and then they'll be hooked. No, they want to hear about how we slay great beasts. No, they want to hear about magic and sorcery and spellcasting. They will listen for the story, the rich history, the lore, or we can just roll the dice and let fate decide. You're right. If you haven't listened to The Four Orbs yet, find us at www.fourorbs.org or whatever podcast app you use. Nothing, as you're listening out, seems to be approaching your guys' camp. Yeah, she'll definitely be on edge and ready to call out as like the first sign of trouble, but as far as it stands, since she hasn't seen or heard anything uh, dangerous approach, she's going to basically just keep on watch and keep alert. And your second hour of watch comes to an end. So towards the second hour of her watch, she'll go ahead and relight the lantern, and then she'll go to wake up Ariel. Just she'll kind of grab her shoulder and shake her gently and just be like, Ariel, time for your watch. Oh, okay. There's uh, an hour left of light in this lantern, which will help you see out into the darkness. And then after that, you'll be on your own. So, okay. Wake us up if anything happens. Okay. Does the lantern put it produce the same amount that my light would? No, it produces quite a bit further if it's fully open. If the lantern is hooded, it produces 10 feet of dim light. If it's open, it produces uh, 30 feet of bright light and then another 30 feet of dim light. And but we have it hooded right now? It's in a cone. So we have it hooded, so it produces only ten. Yeah, but it's only and it's only in front of it, like in a cone. Okay. But largely, like it's it's one of those things. It's kind of like taking a flashlight and scanning the outside of the camp is how everyone's been using it. They like open up the hood and go and just kind of make a walk around the outside of camp, shining it away from the camp so they can see uh, sixty feet out into the distance. Because I think light was only twenty twenty, isn't it? 
or is it also 30 and 30? No, light is 20, 20. Yeah, so 20 it is bright, further. 20 dim, dim. Okay. But yeah, so Kenino just basically tell you it's there, it's lit, and if you wanted to, you could probably shut it off and it'd still have like that hour left use if you wanted to see it for the next person. But for now, Kenina says, you know, the light's here if you want to use it for patrol. And then, yeah, Kenina will make her way back into her bedroll and curl up. And as you have been sleeping, your your light rock is off. Yeah. It only lasted for an hour. Yeah. So, like, at the end of Rem's watch, I imagine it just... Like, it, it started to dim down and went out during his watch. So, my question about the lantern. Is there a way for me to... Because I could turn it off. Is there something that, like, inside it or whatever, I could just touch and light and then use the same effect without having to spoil it and so I can save that last hour for Tempest? Yeah, in you case can you turn it, it off. Like, you can... But it would do the same effect of, like, that flashlight thing. It would just do the 20 I'm going to say me. no because it's it's a spell. So that like that limited distance, like that comes from a point and is just out. So I don't think putting it into a lantern would really extend that range. Okay. I just, I was trying to hope for uh, doing the hood effect like they were where they could use it like a flashlight. Well, I'll say that you, I mean, you can use it for the hood effect the way that I described. You're just only going to get the 20 and 20 if you if the directional thing is what you're after yeah okay so yeah i'm gonna do that because i know that i can just produce light myself and i don't know that tempest can so i'm gonna save the last hour for her and during my two hours i will just do the pebble and put it in there and cast light for her or so that way i can save it okay ariel is your watch makes its way. Go ahead and roll me a d20. Ooh, a 19. Alright. So, describe to me how your first hour of watch goes. I'm probably gonna check on the horses and if they're awake, give them carrots and Bucky. You're the fattest horses ever. All sleeping. They are very tired after their day's work. Then I will just give them a quite a soft little pat so I don't wake them and tell them how good they are and pray for them and pet them again. (laughs) I spend like at least 20 minutes with them. (laughs) I will also sit by the fire and look through my notes that are in my pack and draw pictures of us fishing and, I don't know, I'm just dinking around while I listen. All right. For your second hour, go ahead and roll me perception with disadvantage. Okay. <laughs> I should have said I was looking. That was really bad, guys. That was not even... <laughs> at least it wasn't worse, but it wasn't any better. Okay, so I got a five. <laughs> All right. I should have said that I was using the flashlight. <laughs> During Ariel's watch, she mostly spends her time hanging out with the animals, kind of kind of rotating through and, and making sure that the animals seem to be getting their rest and giving lots of pets to Princess, hoping that he has a good night's sleep. And then she spends more of her time just hanging out at camp in her journal, reading through her notes, drawing pictures. 
And uh, based on the fact that she has casted light twice now, and the second one has suddenly gone out, she knows that her watch is over of about two hours. It's gone by seemingly with nothing sticking out to her. What? A five and it's uninventful? You just didn't notice anything happening. Because Rem and I both Uh, noticed things on our watch. All right, I'm going to go quietly wake up Tempest and be like, hey, Tempest, it's time. It's time for your watch. It's almost morning. I don't know if you're going to need the last hour of the lamp. I can cast light on this one more time and it will last an hour. So your second hour you can have light if you need it. I don't care. All right, I'm going to cast light on her pebble just one more time and she can choose to use it or not. (laughs) I'll go to bed once I see that she's up. Tempest. Yeah. As your watch starts, why don't you roll me a d20? Okay. 20. Explain, like, describe your first hour of watch. What are you doing? So, I am actually going to leave the pebble that she cast light on sort of on the opposite side of camp to light up that area. And then I'm going to go over to where it's still pretty dim and take out my sword and test out how much it actually lights up because this is the first time that I've gotten to do this. Okay, Tempest, uh, she, she like lights up one half of the camp with this pebble. Because I knew that it produced light. Mm-hmm. But I haven't gotten to play with it at night. So Tempest uh, places this pebble down and it's casting its light and it's 20 foot bright light, 20 foot dim light for a total of 40 feet. And Tempest, I, I imagine you're going, what, to like that last five foot, like 35 feet away from the pebble so yeah. that you're still in the dim light. You're not just by yourself. I like set it by one of the carts and then I go to the other side to okay. so like just out of range of the campfire and and you draw your short sword and sort and of sort of just a little bit out of the sheath okay, and tell so that it's like actually like, like so you just pull like that first inch of blade out and like it, it's a bright white as what we would see staring up at like the full moon that's the the color of this blade as you pull it out and it is shining light out in a 15 foot radius brightly and another 15 feet beyond but since you're only pulling out the the edge of it for for narrative flavor i'm gonna say that it's like a straight line like just like if you had a, a a flashlight as we've been using to describe all this but it was one that you could set that focus to yeah. almost a, just a like a quarter sized <laughs> beam that's kind of how this this looks <laughs> but it's no it's no further so it's not really benefiting yeah. you more than drawing the blade fully in fact it's benefiting you technically less i haven't taken it out yet <laughs> then i will unsheathe it the rest of the way just and as you are further drawing this blade out, that, that beam of light spreads to match the length of sword that you've you've drawn fully. Like you draw it out halfway and you've got like a quarter of the circle in front and a quarter behind you 
lit up, and as you draw it all the way, you've got this full 30-foot circle that is encased in light. She's just marveling over it, just sort of swinging it around. Shiny. Then and walking the perimeter of the camp, like, using it to light up, look around, and yeah, that, that's how the first hour goes. All right. As you are making your way around the outside of this camp, checking things out, listening, I mean, you're you're limited even more than the amount of light that people have used before you. But it's you're, starting to get light so out. So you're not really seeing anything in this hour specifically that stands out, but off in the distance, you are hearing the the crunch of hooves. At some point, a little bit on the uh, the Port Norsal side to the east, you hear what sounds like the sound of two creatures like crossing the road. A couple hundred feet away, though, but they're crossing over towards the the lakeside. Nothing that you can see from the distance away that you are. So when I hear that there's something walking towards the lake. Just go grab the lantern so that I can see a little bit farther. Make sure that it's just some animal coming in for a drink of water in the morning. Not a null. And you, you, you've lit the lantern, right? And are mm-hmm. shining it at its full brightness out? Mm-hmm. 60 feet. Okay. Within the light of 60 feet, you see nothing. Go ahead and roll me perception. 22. 22. You see the faintest four spots, like about 200 feet out. Like eye glow? Reflecting light back at you. Mm, eye bright. And like that you've, because like what you had before was just kind of a, a circle of light that stayed with you. It wasn't necessarily directional. Mm-hmm. But this is, mm-hmm. and the light suddenly reached further and is now a different shade. The, these creatures, the, the way that you're seeing them is because it seems like they've stopped in their tracks and have turned their heads and are looking straight at you. I will sort of crouch down and start moving closer. With the lantern? With the lantern. So that I am behind the lantern. And they can't actually see me. Because that's how directional light works. Alright. We'll draw this out. And you walk out ten feet. Mm-hmm. Do you still have your sword drawn? Yes. Okay. Within ten feet, your light still reaches back to the camp. What do you do? I am keeping an eye on those eyes. Just trying to get close enough that I can see what is attached to the eyes. My goal are deer. All right. Breakfast. <laughs> Another 10 feet. That would put them um, 120 away from the light. Go on, go on closer. Keep going. Do you have any intention of stopping before you see them? Like their, their shapes and know what they are? Mm, no, but I would also be glancing back at camp to make sure nothing was coming around behind because it would be my luck that I suddenly get circled. (laughs) You're a hundred feet away from camp. 
means they're still about 40 feet away. Go ahead and roll perception. 12. You're you're in hunt mode. You you think that this is a is a quarry for you and you're you're hoping for deer. So you're slowly making your way forward and I imagine Am I within 60 feet of them now? No, you are not. You're 100 feet away, so you are 100 feet away from them. Okay. That's because this is just where we're taking a, a break in the narrative of you moving. Okay. And at this mark, you, uh, you've you stopped again. Because I imagine you're kind of stopping every every 10 feet, and that's when you, you look around behind you. And you look to, the, to both sides of you. You're not seeing anything. You're not hearing anything. These creatures are still, like, dead in front of you. Every once in a while, you'll see a blink because you're spending, you're spending probably, you know, minutes walking to them. So every once in a while, you just see the the blink of the, the eye shine. You approach far enough that you can see them. There are two deer. <gasps> deer! <laughs> I'll use my Slayer's Prey. What does your Slayer's Prey do? It's a bonus action to use. I designate one creature that I can see within 60 feet, and the first time each turn that I hit the target with a weapon attack, it takes an extra d6. Benefit lasts me uh, until I finish a short or long rest, or I designate a different creature. You still only have one attack, right? Um... Yeah. All right. Go ahead and um, it, it's it's interesting just because of the way things are working. First, roll stealth. That's not good. Inspiration. <laughs> yeah, I might use my inspiration for this. Okay. Is our inspiration just advantage? Yes, it's a second roll. Okay. Take the higher. Eleven. Roll me a flat d20. 13. All right. Sorry, you're not getting a surprise round. Are Uh, they fighting back? (laughs) (laughs) No, but if you had gotten a surprise round and were ahead of them in initiative, you would have been able to hit both of them before they were able to move. Just in case you miss, go ahead and let's roll for initiative. 20 for plus three for initiative. So 23. Okay. Well, that's a crit one (laughs) (laughs) deer in headlights and an 11. Well, that's why you were getting that stealth versus their perception because I I, I wanted to have that moment of you could potentially strike both of them before they act, but you get to act first. Go ahead and roll your attack at one, because I imagine that you've just... I sheathe my sword, and I set the lantern on the ground and knock an arrow in my longbow. Thirteen. A thirteen is a hit. You also can't not kill this thing. Well, let's see how bad I kill it. Nine. 
you more than than double killed it. So I'm gonna say this is an arrow. It was a heart shot. Yep, this is an arrow right into its its heart. <laughs> We're having to venison drop for breakfast. <laughs> Can you get the other one before it bolts away? Well, that's the thing. Um, it does get a chance to act now. She failed that stealth versus perception, so it's going to recognize its fellow falling to the ground, dead, and bolts. It has 50 feet of movement, meaning if it takes a double move, it is booking it 100 feet away. There's, unless you plan on pursuing it until sunrise, it's out of the range of any sort of light. It's no longer looking at you. I'm gonna say the second one gets away. But I have 150 foot range with my bow. But you don't have that range of sight. So yes, for that reason, like there, there's basically no way that you're going to be able to get this one in the dark. Okay, I'll let it go. <laughs> um, I will go up to my kill and drag it back to camp. I feel like one two is probably more than enough for all of us. Okay. You have successfully slain a deer and brought it back to camp. I imagine that you are going to spend your next hour working on your kill, like right to the side of camp. All right. All right. Yes. So you like during your second hour of watch, the sun has started to come up, though. It's a little harder to tell because there is clouds literally spanning the sky above you. It's also starting to rain. And with that, a watch is over. I guess we'll start waking up then at, at the end of her second watch as she's starting to cook the deer and having removed, you know, all the nasty bits from the campsite. I'm guessing Kanina would automatically wake up, you know, toward the end of uh, Tempest Shift and probably start doing her morning ex- exercises and then offer up her uh, Andy pouch of spices. I imagine... To the largely to the smells of like meat cooking, like even if because Tempest is kind of focused on working on other stuff right now, she's probably not really. And you know, being at camp and everything, there's not really a need to wake everyone up as morning comes around, there's no necessary like urgency to it, so. I imagine most people are just waking up because there's cooking happening and they're smelling something like they're, they're smelling meat cooking, which is unexpected because as everyone went to sleep, that wasn't a thing. There wasn't meat around to be cooked. And so Kanina wakes up and goes off to like goes and does some exercises in the clearing just off to the side. Yeah, basically that's kind of Kanina's morning routine to wake herself up and it just also, you know, strong body, strong mind, strong spirit, etc. Cetera, et cetera. She just wants to keep herself in fit physical condition. Would you be waking up Ariel since she's been doing exercises with you every morning? Yeah, if you if you've made it yeah, if you've made it a point to want to continue to do that kind of thing, yeah. she will go ahead and wake you up. And if you're too groggy, she'll drag you out from underneath the cart. <laughs> One foot. <laughs> Let's go, Ariel. <laughs> Rim would wake up probably to the, to the 
camp waking up and seeing uh, Tempest in the middle of her skinning, cooking, and everything of the feet kind of nod at her. And then he's going to do like quick rounds around the, the campsite just to make sure nothing happened that people didn't see in the darkness. Your lantern is, uh, you, you wake up to your lantern being out of oil. It, is, it has been burned through overnight, except to Rem's knowledge, the weird thing is it's still warm to the touch. Okay. You would have figured they probably did what they did. Yeah, if they rationed it out. But it's just, you, you figured it'd burn half the night, and yet it's warm. Um, everyone is waking up to these, these clouds overhead, and a, a slight mist is starting to, to fall down from the sky. Rem, you said you're you're checking for... Yeah, he's going to go like around the perimeter of the camp, make sure there's nothing that wasn't there previously. Alright, go ahead and uh, roll investigation. Eight. Eight. Uh, nothing, nothing is standing out, like, and no one really heard anything getting too close to camp. For the most part, everything was a couple hundred feet away. But one thing that does, uh, does stand out is, um, to the east of the camp, you've found a blood trail that leads a couple hundred feet away, like a couple hundred feet away from the camp into the camp. Seeing that there was a carcass in the camp, I'm pretty sure you figured it out. But it possibly took a moment as he's like, wait, there's blood through here. The blood is... Uh... Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would imagine, too, like, as Kinnine is waking up and waking up Ariel and that kind of thing, she'll probably make some, you know, morning idle chatter with Tempest, seeing as she was the you know, first one awake into the morning before she heads off. And she'll just be like, you know, morning, Tempest, and that kind of thing. And just seeing, like, well, what do you got there? Breakfast. Oh. You get something early this morning? Yeah, you know, I caught them uh, as they were heading over to the lake to get some water. It was uh, right before the sun came up. Wow, you're really you're really good at hunting here on the land. I thought you'd be more prone to, to fishing, but you're doing quite well at uh, keeping keeping us all well fed. I do what I can to help out. Kanina will go ahead and, you know, offer up her handy sack of spices, whatever it was. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that would be great. You know, the stuff's probably pretty gamey just without any seasoning. But yeah, if you want to use it, uh, I'm always uh, keen on different flavors. So go ahead and add what you think suits. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, start some morning exercises with Ariel here. If you want to join us, feel free to. Otherwise, we'll we'll be back for breakfast. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> okay. I'll let you know when breakfast is ready. And then, yeah. So Ariel will do her. Start off with, like, some jumping jacks. And then she'll go do some... More stretches. Ariel plays copycat. It <laughs> follows <laughs> Nina's. Nina will go ahead and correct your posture every now and again, but seeing as you started training with her every morning, you've you gotten pretty decent, I would imagine. Well, while Kanina and Ariel are off uh, doing their, their kind of morning ritual, Rem and Tempest just hear a... Hmm. Huh. What's that I smell? That's, uh... Is that... Is that deer that I smell? And comes over and is like, wait. Where'd this thing come from? This wasn't here last night. I got it this morning. This morning, what? Yeah. You went out hunting this morning? Oh, the sun's only barely just come up and you've already gone out hunting and brought back a, a deer? It was during my watch. I caught them while they were uh, heading over to the lake to get a drink of water. 
Oh, well, good job. Thanks. I mean, the highly unexpected. I, you know, I figured we'd be eating more jerky and tack for, for breakfast and uh, maybe a couple oats. Some bread. Well, speaking of bread, bread would go great with this. Heads back over to her cart and grabs another loaf of bread, breaks it into five chunks, and just hands hands two out to to um, Tempest and Rem. Oh, this is perfect for soaking up all of the juices. So, uh, I mean, I guess we kind of gotta wait till you're done with this. Uh, what's the plan with all the leftovers? Jerky. Well. We can leave it on the fire for a little bit longer, turn it into sort of a jerky. We don't have time to dry it right now, but... So just kind of like half half uh, cook it and yeah. get it get a little little easier to, to pack out. Because I was just, you know, when are we going to get going again? It's, uh, I mean, I know it's bright and early, as but... As soon as everybody's eaten, we'll get on the road again. Yeah, it's uh, because I know it's bright and early, but I'm uh, really looking forward to getting into the city and uh you know to be honest with you knowing where we're at and where today's going i'm a little nervous today's gonna be a today's gonna be a little more interesting than yesterday was i mean okay those wolves those wolves were unexpected but i know we're gonna be crossing knoll knoll country now Uh, the smell of this much meat cooking i don't want to stay too long either it could draw more than just the knolls well we'll leave what we don't use and hopefully that'll keep them busy over here while we make our way through if they do decide to venture out well uh, I I think if well I I thank you for the breakfast that that was mighty nice of you tempest rem she just kind of nods at you probably has a stool in her cart she's used to traveling like this and she Pulls it out, sets it down, and just eats her. Rim's eats gonna her go breakfast. see to the horses real quick. Probably take them to the to the lake to drink. Hey, uh, you mind taking Bucky with you? I'll take you. Thank you. Yeah, Kanina will continue to exercise and encourage Ariel to keep exercising with her until we're called over for breakfast. So. Yeah, and I, you know, after eating her. Her first little bit, because I imagine that, like, you know, it's it's been an hour or so, so some of the meat's cooked well enough to be eaten, so Eldith eats her portion, and she starts breaking down her tent and her camp and getting her cart loaded back up while waiting for, you know, everything else to, to get ready to go, and she just kind of hops up onto her cart and awaits patiently while she waits for you guys to get ready to, to head off again. Yeah. Before uh, Kanina, you know, starts eating, she'll go ahead and roll up her bedroll and make sure, like, her stuff is all set up to go. And then, yeah, she'll eat as well and give gratitude to uh, Tempest again and just be like, yeah, this is this is really good. Thanks so much for grabbing this. It's nice to wake up to a nice, hot, fresh meal. <laughs> no trouble at all. She'll probably grab her spice sack back from you if you haven't handed it back already. But And then, yep. Be like, do you want to ride up front with me today again? Sure. I'm just going to get this stuff all cleaned up. And then I think we'd be ready to go as soon as you guys eat. Yep. I'll help as much as I can. And I imagine that the whole, like, the whole, everyone getting up, getting camped together, getting ready for the day, and finishing up with getting food ready um, takes us through about two hours to where we're reaching about 9 a.m. on the 26th 
of Bellinus. Tempest uses her shape water to wash all of the cooking utensils. Kanina will dry them. Over at the lake. <laughs> Kanina holds them and steam rises off the pans. <laughs> but no. <laughs> we don't need a fire cookie. Just put it in your hand. And- yeah. So, so far, we've had Ariel and Tempest. Rem, roll me a flat d20 for the day. 20. The, I mean, the hard to call it a caravan, the, the party with their their one carriage and cart make their way back to the roads and continue on with their journey back. So for the first, let's say six hours of travel, is there anything anyone would like to accomplish on the road here? Keeping an eye out for any trouble. Yeah. Is Eldith driving the cart or am I driving the cart? Eldith is driving her cart. Cool. I have my hands are free. <laughs> Kanina will probably set up front again with Tempest and she'll be leading the cart forward and she'll be giving tips to Tempest again about how to uh, handle and she'll be like, I guess, pop quizzing her on what she taught her the previous day. <laughs> so, so if they start freaking out, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> What does it mean if you see them lift their tail? Yeah. What signs do you have to look for if they're starting to get overworked? <laughs> okay. So, the first six hours, the first, like, half of this day goes by relatively without incident. The, um, in fact, like, those, those clouds that had rolled in and kind of dropped a, a drizzly mist... All morning, after about halfway through, when you're when you're reaching about like what we would call noon time, they uh, the clouds are like the the mist is stopped, and you can tell that the clouds are starting to lighten up, and that tomorrow will probably be a more favorable summer day. Um, at this point, you guys have officially reached the halfway point between Port Norsal and Starin. Woo. Which means that as far as your conversation with Lydia um, two days prior, I guess, because you guys talked about it at night, you are far enough that she is comfortable with you sending Eldith along on her way. If that's anything that you guys would like to like, stop, take a break and talk about. Yeah, I guess as we start approaching the time period that we had kind of estimated to getting to that halfway point and we you know, mentally know exactly where we are. Then yeah, uh, Kanina will go ahead and start like calling for a break, and she'll just be like, "Alrighty, guys, I think we're uh, approaching the point we had uh, discussed upon stopping at and letting our group part ways. So let's uh, stop here and see if that's still what we want to do." Oh, uh, yeah, you guys are—you're talking about just letting me go on, go on on my own now. From from this point, that's that's what I'm hearing, right? Um, yeah, if you're still comfortable with continuing on your own, um, and you're sure you don't want us to escort you the whole way, then I think, uh, we could probably part ways here. No, I mean, that, that thing with the wolves, that was, that was, uh, that was scary. That was unexpected. That was a little different, but that was, that was a day ago now. And, you know, things seem to have been, like, we, we made it through the night okay. Nothing, nothing happened. We, uh... We've made it so far over half the day today, and 
nothing's happening. In fact, things seem to be be turning up in the world for for us in this journey here. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, just can can you promise me one thing? What's that? Um, well, you see, and she she points off towards Port Norsal. Uh, you can see that we're starting to get up into the the vineyard land. You know, I've got probably another hour and a half or so before I reach that first that first set of uh, fences there mm-hmm. like if I keep up on the path do you think that uh, that you can just kind of keep an eye on my direction while things are happening uh, you know just in case something happens before I get into the protection of of all the uh, the farm owners the vineyard owners like I don't know I it's not like you're going to be able to to get to me very quickly if something happens but it would just make me feel a little better you know knowing that 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 someone's looking out looking out for me I'm still sitting next to her so I'll place my arm around her give her a hug with one arm I hold my scroll necklace with my other one and then I pray to Kosein in like a celestial uh, voice my words basically say I trust you um, and then uh, my necklace will light up and then she has like this invisible barrier type thing that <laughs> gives her extra it, like this this happened like you you start with giving a hug and she she kind of she, she's got kind of a quizzical look on her face like maybe she's she's not typically much of a hugger like not something that she she experiences much in her day-to-day life but she accepts it i mean she she gets that you guys have have done a lot for her and you you're offering to to make sure that she's safe but as you like you grab your your necklace and you start muttering some words she goes well what we we what what was that it like she feels the magic wash over her but she's never had magic cast on her so she's like what what did you do to me well with my um with i have it written down that with my spells and stuff something like that she would kind of feel like a warmth for basically an hour exactly or eight hours i mean what what did you do to me i i feel funny oh um you know that mage armor that i was talking about like that extra armor that i can put on you oh yeah that thing that you said you were gonna do but you didn't actually do yeah, since you're feeling so uncomfortable right now, um, until you get to the farmers, I just cast that on you so you'd feel a little bit better. Oh, okay. Uh, I I mean, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what this is going to do, but I appreciate it nonetheless. It's well, supposed just... to make me a little safer, but, <laughs> you know, Noel grabs onto my neck. Noel grabs onto my neck. I'm fucking dead either way. I mean, if you let's make it harder but, for them to grab onto your neck. I mean, if you if you're that nervous, I could always cast invisibility on you. <laughs> Can you cast it on the cart too? Um, and Bucky. What does your invisibility say? No. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, it'll just be basically you and the things you have on you. It won't affect the cart or Bucky. So it. Oh, well, uh, yeah, it doesn't exactly. Wait, how long does it last for? It'll last for an hour, so. Oh, that's about how long you said you needed, right? To get to the farmers? You know, I'll take that offer. I mean, hey, if they come after the cart, it gives me the ability to sneak away. And exactly. hey, Bucky, I'm sorry, but you're, you're an ass. 
and I'm a dwarf. And if one of us has to die, I'm going to let you die, Bucky. Oh, well, that's 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 kind of brutal. But uh, yeah, I understand. I'll, I'll totally give you the uh, the protection you need for with invisibility. And in the end, if it comes down to it, then, you know, it'll give you a chance to escape if you need it. But like I said, we'll we'll be keeping an eye out for you as well. So if you need to just try to signal us somehow, we'll come running. But so what does Kanina do? So she'll have to, um, I'm guessing at this point, we probably pulled the carts up next to one another yeah, so we I could imagine, talk. Yeah, I imagine, like, to start this conversation, you pulled off to the side of the road and, and you know, they're saying goodbye. So you're, you're within reaching distance. Yeah, so Kanina will, you know, either, you know, hop down or jump over to the other cart and she'll go ahead and touch uh, Eldith and basically cast Invisibility, which uh, I have to touch her. takes, uh, basically, it's a concentration spell that lasts for an hour. And basically, uh, she becomes invisible until the spell ends. And then every, anything she's wearing or carrying is invisible as long as it's on the target's person. So, so uh, you, you do this and mm-hmm. again, like she just had magic cast on her. So she kind of knows that that feeling of someone just cast a spell that is affecting me. Mm-hmm. And you told her what you were doing. So she like she holds her hands out and her and just goes, my body's gone. Yep, don't worry, it'll go away after an hour. So. Where'd my hands go? <laughs> oh, they're still there. Everything's still there. You still have everything on you, but uh, yeah, you'll just be invisible for most sources now. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get used to this, but thank you. Like, I, if I can't see me, they can't see me, right? Can you see me? <laughs> nope, I can't see What you. am I doing right now? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I guess it worked. <laughs> Yep, so well, hopefully that will give you a little bit of assurance that you need, so. So all of a sudden, there's this flick of the reins, and the cart just mysteriously starts rolling off. I guess Ariel got off the cart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine that during all of this, you, you cast your spell, everyone was saying their goodbyes. So I imagine that she's just kind of free to go. As we're walking back over, like, the two seconds it takes to our cart, I'm just like, you know? I read in a book that another name for a donkey is an ass. So what we said is actually true. <laughs> he is an ass. Yeah, I guess it's still kind of uh, sad to think of, you know, offering up someone that you've uh, traveled for a while, even if it's only an animal. A companion is a companion, but in the end, yeah, I guess it is more important that she stays safe. So just it would just be sad to see Bucky go. <laughs> oh, I don't want to see Bucky go. I just thought it was funny that the word that was used is still the actual word of the animal. It's just another <laughs> form. I don't know. I've heard a lot of words used in my day, so. <laughs> but yeah. I've heard a lot of words. But yeah, so yeah, Kanina will go ahead and get back on. Uh, I guess at this point, she'll be just like, uh, Rem, you want to trade places with me and drive for a bit? Sure, I can do that. Okay. So I'm climbing into the back of the wagon or in the process of walking to the back of the wagon to get into the wagon or cart. I guess um, before we start like all loading back like fully into the cart, um, I guess Kanina would just be like, well, I guess uh, at this point, if we want to continue to do the whole scouting for Grimfang, we should probably turn back uh, and like we had kind of planned and scout out the area we thought would be best. I don't think we're too far from where we saw that attack last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So we should probably find a place to... Uh set up a small base camp to scout from. Don't need to be taking the horses into the deep woods. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we wouldn't want any of them to get attacked by a knoll or get a twisted ankle or anything. I don't want anything to happen to Princess. 
course not. Or other horse too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess uh, Rem can probably give you some more uh, tips on how to handle the, the wagon, Tempest, if you'll want to sit up there with him. And then I'm going to take a break in the back for a bit so I can conserve some energy for the next part of the trip. <laughs> not that we have too much farther to travel if we're backtracking. Rim would sit up there with her, and, and rather than talking about the uh, the importances of the horses and the leading, he would actually start talking about the other things that are involved, like watching the road, looking, making sure you're not going off into a rut or into deep mud, giving her the pointers. Tempest is feeling a little tired because she's been awake because she took last watch. So she's probably just lean back, eyes closed, like every once in a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And we'll purposely lead the, the cart over into a small pothole to to jump it. With uh, Nina and I in the back of the cart, just chilling, I'm going to be like, Hey, Nina. Yeah? So I had this dream. You know the dragon that you had a dream about? Oh yeah, the one that uh yeah. It it had a nightmare uh, about. It was a red dragon, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh I had a I had a dream of a red dragon too. And it it was attacking the monastery. The monastery? Uh the the one like, you grew up at? Yeah, Tempest and I. Like our monastery. Oh. That's, um, that's where it was attacking my village too when I had a dream about it. Was there anybody on the dragon in your dream? No. The dragon did speak to me though. It was kind of disturbing. It spoke to you? Yeah. What did it say? I don't know. It was very sinister, but yeah, it was offering me strength, is what I can recall from it. I can't recall too much. It was. You know, just a nightmare after all. But it was it was still kind of it was kind of unsettling, but So uh, I don't know if mine was a dream as I think mine was more of a a vision that Kosein was actually showing me because a vision? I, like yeah, when, like a prophecy or something? Or something. Um because Kosein was there too and she was telling me things and you were on the dragon. Me? Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I, you were riding. destroying the monastery. The dragon that was destroying your monastery. Yeah, and you were. But and and you had. I mean, was I being held hostage or something? Not at all. I mean, like you were friends with the dragon. But and you had the axe. But I. I mean. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do something like that. I know you wouldn't. I, I, just, I don't want to hurt anybody. I, I'm an adventurer. I'm a hero. I give you a hug. I'm like, I. I know that. I just feel like, and I. I don't think this would ever happen. And I just wanted to tell you because it scared me, and it was something that I was being shown. And you had the axe. Huh. The axe, the the one that we found, right? I think so. Hmm. So, but Kosein said that. I mean, how how accurate are your 
visions. Have you had like visions of the future before? I mean, yeah, I I was told by and I was shown like that there is something big and evil coming. And I don't think it's you, but I I feel that if I put two and two together, they said that we can't touch the axe and that it's evil, right? And you had a dream of this dragon being bad, and I've had a dream of this dragon being bad. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's evil. If I, I mean, it was just a dream that we had, but like you said, if... We, we both had similar genes of it doing bad things to the places that we grew up in. So, I mean, I I certainly wouldn't be friends with Did someone. Did you touch the axe? Yeah, I mean, you know that. I, I carried it back. Right. So, when did you when did you get the voices? Voices? When it was calling to you in your dream. The axe never called no, to me. No, the dragon. Well, back when I told you I was having nightmares back, like, uh, before on the ship? After touching the axe. Mm, yeah, but I, I guess I don't see what you're trying to say here. What if it's the axe calling to you? Because you know how we talked about that one dragon that Rem read out to us that said about the rider on the dragon had a weapon. Yeah, I remember thinking about what that too. The, like about there was a rider of this red dragon and the axe was the rider's weapon. I and suppose who holds the axe is friends with the dragon. And if I had a, a vision of you holding the axe, riding the dragon. Hmm. I don't know. It's just so similar to the story that was yeah, I remember noting that it seemed kind of interesting that there was a figure on the back of a dragon holding a weapon of importance, and we didn't notice that this axe or whatever it is has great evil. I mean, maybe it has the power to put people under its spell and make them think that they have to obey the dragon, because, I mean, we know there's things that have, like, mind control and such, so... Kosein also said that... I need to be around you and, and help you and uh, well, that you'll be safe as long as I'm with you kind of thing. I, I guess so, but I mean, I'm, I'm not evil, Ariel. No, I'm worried about the axe. Yeah, but I mean, I've, I've handled it once before and I've been fine. I haven't done anything bad. Kanina kind of just has this almost hurt looking face toward her. She like, she understands that she's trying to like Ariel's trying to reach out to her, but at the same time, she's kind of almost insulted that uh, Ariel thinks that she's not strong enough to basically handle this, or she thinks that perhaps she might take like the side of the dragon in the long run. So, and it's like, Kanina's just hurt at the idea, but she knows at the same time, this is all just theorizing. So she'll just be like, Ariel, I, I want you to know, and she'll just like grab both of your hands. I'm, I'm not evil. I'm... I'm on both of, I'm on everyone's side here. It's like, I'm your friend and I really want the best for everyone. And it's just, I, I know that there might be something evil to axe. I mean, Miss Beery said so as well when we had brought it to the, uh, the Adventurer's Guild, but I want you to know that I would, I would never do anything to hurt anybody. I, I know, Nina, I'm not worried about, like, I'm not, I know you wouldn't. I'm, I'm more afraid if 
we touch the axe more that whoever touches the axe more the more you touch it like it talks to you more and it gets into you yeah i i remember hearing that because miss beery said not to touch it either but it's just i don't know i i, I didn't feel like any evil impulses or anything after i had touched it so I mean, I remember feeling very unsettled after I had touched it, but it's just, I, I don't know. And then again, this is all just, this is just dreams for now. So nothing, we haven't seen any dragons. It's not like one is going to appear out of thin air. Oh, mine, mine was more Kosein and a vision. So well, I mean, mine's more like, it wasn't something that my, my mind just made up when I was sleeping. I'm not saying that it was just something that your mind made up, but I'm just saying maybe it could be metaphorical too. Like this is a great evil that we have to conquer, but maybe not necessarily like a, a real dragon that I might be riding on, destroying people's, you know, homes and lives. Okay. It's just, I don't know, Aria. I've, I've been called lots of bad things before. Uh, being a tiefling like myself isn't, a lot of people don't trust me instinctively. I so. do trust you, though. You trust me, but not everyone does. So I'm, I'm just saying that if people think I'm going <laughs> to become evil because of this axe that I touched, and I'm just... I don't want people to have cause to distrust me, that's all. I think it was just um, maybe because it was you on the dragon i think the only reason why it was you on the dragon was in in my vision was because you were the person that touched it could have been rem it could have been nixie if it would have been one of them that touched it i don't think it was you because of who you are i think it was just in my vision because Kosein uh, was maybe warning me because you're the one that touched it. I don't think it had to do with you being a tiefling or even you being a phoenix sorcerer and the dragon being a fire dragon. I don't think that even has to do with anything. For me, it was... I think if I read my vision, it was just because it was you were the one to touch it. It could have been me if I would have been the one to touch it. So. All right. Well, I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I just, I, I've not been always seen in a good light, I guess, in my home village. And I just want people to be able to trust me for the things that I do and the person I am and not because of what I might seem like. So as, as long as you believe in me, you know. I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll believe in you're you. You're my teacher. <laughs> I still respect you, and you're still my teacher. Mm -hmm. I believe in you. And I imagine that this discussion takes up the entirety of the, the trip. <laughs> from the road to Rem finding a... A suitable place. Rem, go ahead and, uh, actually, Rem and Tempest, go ahead and roll me perception checks. Uh, Rem? Six. Tempest? Twenty-one. Okay. I imagine that as, as things are going, 
Rem is completely oblivious to the conversation behind him. And Tempest, maybe not actually paying attention, but just realizing that there's a very deep and intense conversation happening in the cart behind her. Like, anytime Rem's just like, yeah, I think here's a good spot to to stake up. Tempest's just like, no, let's, uh, let's keep going a little bit. Kind of buying more time until they're done. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rim thinks that she just wants more lessons. <laughs> and uh, eventually, um, Ariel and Kanina do feel the cart come to a stop, like within moments of their conversation ending. And Rem draws the cart to a stop. Ooh, ooh. I guess feeling the cart come to a stop, uh, Kenina will probably go ahead and start getting out. She probably has a little little bit more of a serious look to her than she would normally have, but still has her big grin on her face, so. <laughs> Anything you think would be outward facing? Uh, what do you mean by that? As far as your your look and your butt, like your posture and everything, like do you do you think it's something that a decent sense motive someone might pick up on? Yeah, perhaps. It's like she's not disturbed to the point where she'd be visibly upset like she was when she had her nightmare back way back when. But at the same time, she's also kind of very much in thought more so than she would normally seem. So, yeah, she would she would basically appear to be a little bit more deep in thought, I suppose. Okay, I'm going to do something a little odd and go ahead and say that you can come up with whatever number you think they'd have to roll to notice. Okay. Uh... This is just... A conversation just happened, and kind of this is just do Rem and Tempest get a sense that something is a little off with it's like Kanina. an insight roll? Yeah, insight. <laughs> that's better than sense motive. I, I don't have the skill sheet in front of me. I guess 13. Nope. 17. Rem notices. <laughs> Nine. So Rem just happens to, like, as... You just notice she's not smiling and bubbly as normal. She's smiling, but you see there's something a little deeper on the inside. Like it's a smile, but she's not fully there. It's not. It's not the bubbly attitude that annoys him so much. So it's very, very apparent to him. He's just like mm, something's wrong. I would imagine like her eyebrows probably aren't as like up and raised as they normally are, and her uh, eyes aren't as wide. Yeah, her eyes are probably kind of focused off elsewhere almost, and her smile's probably not quite as big. So. He'll look. He'll look back at the cart too, as as Ariel leaves to kind of glance at her as well to see if she has the same kind of airs about her. I I don't think I'm super bubbly because I was just no, talking about something. But that was the point. Like yeah. he's looking to see. She he saw that she's kind of serious, so he's looking to see if you're kind of serious. And then he's gonna figure that there was something going on in the back of the yeah. cart because he didn't really pay attention to that. He's just gonna be like, eh, they're talking about something back there. Yeah, because, like, basically you and I had a deep conversation about that kind of thing. Or basically, like, Kanina was a little bit disturbed by some of the things you had implied. You know, she knows you have the best interests in heart and she believes in you. And she doesn't, like, she's there's nothing that happened between us with this conversation. But at the same time, what you have said about, like, the whole deal has made her, you know, start thinking, like, am, am I possibly, you know, like, tainted or something? Or how, has something happened that's made, you know, me... Yeah, you know, have start having these dreams of dragons, but that kind of thing. So she's she's internally kind of thinking a little bit about some of the stuff that has happened, but at the same time, like there's nothing that happened between us that has caused her to be upset with you or anything. She was just upset because in her past, and I've canonized this like in the past with other episodes where she has issues with being called evil and yeah. you know doing bad things. And so Rem like 
stakes up the the horses, getting everything ready, and um, it sounds like you guys are pretty much just gonna gonna tie off the horses here, kind of set up a little camp. I guess uh, my question is. Would you have, like, tried to bring them into the forest at all, or are they, like, visible from the road? I would be constantly double-checking with him to make sure that they're safe. <laughs> they would be, they would be, most likely be, like, I would have found, like, a pullout that looks like, you know, it's a place where people would, would stop. So then I'm not hiding it on the road. Yeah. Like, I want it to look like, so if, if another traveling group came by, they would see it. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be basically just kind of like a base camp we would take off from to go scout. Okay. And then I guess from there you're starting to make your journey into the woods after you like load up your your travel gear essentially your foot travel. Once you load up for bear, Kanina, mm-hmm. you're the last one for the session. Go ahead and roll me a flat d20. Fifteen. Fifteen. See if see if Tempest wants to uh, explore her ranger skills a little more. We are going to be starting something different, something a little homebrew, something that everyone should have a sheet in front of them describing as a brief synopsis of what we will be doing for a skill check challenge. I am not using anyone in particular's rule set for it. I am mostly just taking things that I have heard in various podcasts, things that I have looked up for myself and over time as we do this and develop it I will modify it so to quickly go over how a skill check challenge will work for the listeners in the way that I currently have it written up is V1 a skill check challenge has three different categories the first one is using skills a skill check challenge is a way to more narratively handle rolling multiple skill checks in quick succession To encourage variety, it is recommended that a single skill cannot be used more than once per player. This encourages creativity and skill use and also encourages more than just the player with the highest bonus to roll each time. The second section are spells and abilities. Some spells and class abilities apply well to the same situations involved in a skill check challenge. A relevant spell or ability can be used to lower the DC of the check by one step. The same rules as skills apply. A player cannot use a single spell or class ability more than once in each skill check challenge. The last section is helping one another. Since these challenges are meant to narratively cover a group advancing towards a goal over time, it makes sense for players to want to help one another. During each round of the challenge, a player can suggest helping the person rolling for the skill check. The helping player must have proficiency in the skill they wish to use. Helping another player still counts as using a skill during the challenge. So if you help someone, then you can't then use that? Yes, because you are giving them advantage on their role. So even though I just asked for one, I do need a second flat d20 roll. No. Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Chantel likes controlling fate. <laughs> 17. A 17. Huh? We like letting her because she <laughs> rolls well. <laughs> All right. So to further outline a little bit about how this goes, 
In some cases, a skill check challenge has a failure condition, meaning you must maintain a certain number of successes before you reach a certain threshold of failures or the skill check challenge has failed. This is different. For this particular skill check challenge, there is no direct failure clause. Instead, failing a round in the check simply extends the amount of time that it takes you. To kind of determine luck and how it favors you guys on this, that d20 roll is extrapolated to you guys need five successes in order to locate Grimfang's camp. So is this like tracking into the forest? Yes, this is you guys entering the forest at... Another day has passed at 4 p.m. on the 26th of Bellinus. So as the party enters the forest, having gathered all of the gear that they are going to need for this trek and packing it around with them, who would like to be the first person to make a skill check roll? What skill would you like to use? How would you like to use it? And sure, there are obvious skill choices to use, but you can always feel free to pitch another skill that you have that you think you could narratively justify using in this sense. Narratively, to me, I almost feel like it would have to start with survival because we don't even have a starting point yet, so survival for, like, tracking or, or ranging to find... I was going to suggest the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then from there on... we could Survival to skills. at least look for some sort of trail so we... Yeah. Have an idea of what direction to go in. Who would like to do this and how would you like to, to roll? I am not proficient in survival. I'll do it. The way that I intend to have it is that you can use any of your skills to help someone. You just have to narratively justify why it makes sense. Okay, so I guess... um. Tempest having experience with hunting as of late and that kind of thing, um, but maybe not knowing so much about land tracking, I could perhaps help her, you know, point out certain things that maybe she wouldn't know about land tracking. And And since you asked what to clarify, I mean, like, if you're using survival and someone that is more nature inclined, since you're tracking through the woods... Mm -hmm would like to help by pointing out certain things in the landmarks and they can help you by using their nature. Mm. I would imagine, yeah, since we're both seem to be like the more huntery type of the group, that would be make sense for both of us to start going into the woods and looking for tracks. 23. A 23. Just looking for a game trail. So, Kanina and Tempest kind of set out ahead. Um having moderate experience with tracking creatures. Um, Tempest focused maybe more at sea, but she has read a lot and is familiar with finding out things and being able to follow a trail. The two of them together as, as you guys are making your way into the forest happen to come across a At first, you guys thought it was a game trail, but at one point you're you're walking along deeper into the forest and it it seems like what's walking along this isn't 
game per se like a, a couple points that you've knelt down the the paw marks that you're following look more bipedal instead of like a wolf or the hooves of a deer possibly heavier yes yeah. heavier I mean there, there are points that you see like down on all fours but that's where it really stood out where it seemed like things were down on all fours is the front the the like four paws are much more hand shaped okay. okay and at this point as like Rem and Ariel are, are walking like walking behind following and accepting their the trail that's being laid out in front of them I imagine like um Kenina and Tempest are, are pointing out the things that are are showing them that this is the right path. And I imagine at some point Rem or Kenina or Rem or Ariel like glances back behind over your shoulder and it's clear that you are within the forest now. There is no path back to like you don't see a clear way back to the road from where you're at. It's all just trees behind you. That is one success. Now, having been shown kind of like the game trail as well as what the paw prints look like and having more understanding from what they've shown us, I think I could use Rim's perception to, to follow the trail, to keep looking for the paw prints and everything like that. Okay. That is an 11. That is an 11. Rem is kind of taking taking the lead. Like, I, I imagine part of what this is, is it's probably a little exhausting over time to be, like, picking through for an hour of travel into the forest, of hunting down the, these small, like, what the little marks that stick out to say that they're on the right path. So... At some point, Kanina and Tempest kind of trade places where, where Rem's like, I, th- I think I've, I'm seeing what you guys are seeing to uh, to be able to lead for a little bit so that they can take a break, kind of like rest their own focus for a minute. And Rem's following what he thinks is the right trail for a while. And at about half an hour in why don't all you guys roll perception Me again. the whole party yes Rem uh 16 Ariel 19 Kanina 16 Tempest 23 that was a, a very nice perception from everybody high alert we're all on high alert as you guys are are walking you've found a small clearing in front of you and what would the the party's initial reaction be seeing this clearing scanning it for enemies yeah slowing down yeah. not entering it does it look like there's an encampment is there anything there what's in the clearing so everyone just kind of stops yeah at, we're gonna at stop the edge and... of it to take a look yeah just a little back kind of looking <laughs> checking for traps that's actually you know fair point out in the woods I've been dragging my feet the whole way to make markings. 
just ruts the ground. Yeah, so we can know our way back out. <laughs> it's really easy for someone to follow you guys. Yeah. I'll have to remember that. Ooh, that's okay. As you guys are, like, stopped at the edge of this clearing and looking through it, there's a rustle on the other side of the clearing, like up in the trees. Rim will uh, ready his shield and his war pick. Definitely looking up in the trees. Yeah, Kenny will be taking a look as well. There's another rustle in the trees, just kind of a like like it. It almost sounds like wind going through the leaves. So it's not a big rustle. Well, except there's no wind that you feel. You look at the trees above you guys. These leaves aren't rustling. Only across from you guys. Is it the same location both times? Yes. Rim will kind of stare at it really closely, and he's going to lean over towards Tempest and be like, Tempest. Hmm. I think you could fire an arrow into those moving branches. I. How many feet away is it? I mean, sure. Um, let's say the clearing is 45, 50 feet across. Let's see. Maybe knock an arrow and get ready. Let's wait just a moment, see if anything shows up. If not, we'll, uh, we'll just, you know, discretion. I can always fire. I'd rather not set the forest on fire right, right now, Nina. Well, ready an arrow. We're going to kind of wait for a little while, see if anything else changes. Make sure it's not just a bird. Does it rustle again? As Tempest has her eyes, like, laser-focused up in the branches of this tree, there's another another rustle of the, the leaves, and it seems like one of the branches has, like, has been disturbed a little bit. Has moved. Can you see anything? Tempest, go ahead and roll perception. Tempest doesn't doesn't see a, a specific creature, but she is one hundred percent certain that she she saw something in the branches move. Do you release your arrow? Yes. The arrow leaves Tempest's bow, flies across the clearing within under a second, launches through this tree. And just like hearing it rip through leaves, it sounds like it has left the forest canopy. And then from across the clearing, you guys just hear. Oh, that wasn't very nice of you. And the sound sounds like it's coming from around the base of this tree. Rim's going to stay quiet for a second and kind of motion for everybody to take a little step back. But he's going to stay there and identify yourself. Slowly, the entire party with their very high perception earlier sees a face form in the trunk of this tree. I haven't had visitors here Ariel's in decades. <laughs> Rim's just hand over Ariel's mouth. Ariel's the giggling. The ones... <laughs> that come across my clearing try and shoot me. What brings you? We're looking for gnolls. Weren't sure if one possibly was hiding in your your boughs. Oh, the gnolls. I really wish someone would get them out of my forest. Well, that's what we're here to scout out to do, but... We didn't mean any uh, any harm by firing the arrow at you. We we were on our on alert for enemies. 
Ariel's giggle. What's your name? Names. That's something that only you human-like races seem to be concerned with. However, I was once friends from the beginning of my time with one of you human-type races. An old man carried a great staff. He always called me Barrowbeard. 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 Right, uh, Barrowbeard. We've been following this trail. Are the mole, do the gnolls pass through here? Um. Sometimes. Not often. Then again, I've been here for centuries, so time has kind of started to run together. It's possible they come by more often than I realize. But yes, they are around. And I'm connected and knowledgeable of the forest. How connected? Enough that I know that you've wandered off your path a little bit. You've started to head a little too far east. Do you know where their camp is? Uh, not in particular. They've, uh... They've cut away any of my brethren that would be in the area. But I have an idea, and it's to the southwest of here. Is that why you want the gnolls gone? Because they've cut down your brethren? Oh, that. They disturb the forest in general. The creatures in here. They used to be kinder. Now, they're restless. They're antsy. They're enraged, some would say. Prone to attacking much more than they used to. Uh-oh. Is there any way that you and your brethren could show us the way to this knoll encampment? And you see, like, his, uh, his branches kind of curl together up at the top, and they pivot off into a direction and they point they're off that way but no I can't take you to them I can merely help point you back on course can your brethren point us at all if you can find them how would we know them how did you know me you were well, moving. We don't want to shoot them. You you were moving. Yes, you stumbled into my clearing. Yes. Do each of you have a clearing? Yes. But not all clearings have one of us. So if we find more clearings with trees. Stop with and tree, ask each clearing. Stop and see if the tree talks. It's possible that they might be sleeping, too. I happen to be awake. 
What's the nicest way to wake you, wake one up? With a knock. Okay. Knocking on trees. Or... What if I give you a hug? Find a pixie. <laughs> a pixie. They know which ones we are. Are pixies common in this forest? No. But that's one of the reasons we have these clearings. Sometimes they plant their mushrooms in them and we watch over them to make sure nothing interferes. Uh, Rim quickly looks down to make sure he's not staring in a fairy ring. What type of mushroom? I'm an herbalist. The magic kind. Magic mushroom. Would I know, like, what needs to make those grow? Like, what to look for? What kind of environment? This kind. Well, I'm talking to my DM. I mean, it just happens to be the the right level of, you know, moisture in the ground. There's a awakened tree, so there's a little bit of magic in the area. And there's mushrooms around right now Not that right I can now. see? Not right now? No. Do you know about how far in that direction he's going to point the direction the tree did? Uh, we would have to travel. I have an idea. I'm not the best with time, but the DM doesn't know a good distance (laughs) to give you. So about four hours in the direction that I pointed. All right. What color are the magic mushrooms? Does a tree see colors? Red with white spots. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) That does tend to be the traditional fairy circle. Well, it could be different in his world, so I just want to double check. I mean, if we look for mushrooms growing in a circle, that would be kind of, you know, telltale anyways. Yeah, that's why Rim looked down to make sure he's not standing in a fairy ring. Rim's going to kind of take a a minute to look at the direction he was pointing, look at the sky and the sun, knowing about how long they've been traveling anyway. He's going to kind of make a measurement on the direction they should be heading so that he can kind of direct them that way, just, uh, you know, trying to keep somewhat of a a bearing because he does know it's very easy to get lost in the woods. You there. He's staring directly as, as, as direct as a tree 45 feet away can stare at Tempest. Hmm? You tried to shoot me. Thought you might be a knoll. Ah, the knolls. I really wish someone would take care of them. <laughs> mm-hmm, we better be get working on that. We'll see you later. Do you have nothing to say for yourself, young lady? Sorry. Thought you were a knoll. That's better. We don't get to interact with you very much. It's nice when you at least display some form of manners. So will you all be going then? Yes. Yeah, thank you for the directions. We'll be sure to uh, try and help rid you of your knoll problem soon. So we're going to go try to track down the knoll and figure out their location, but it's possible that there might be more people coming later. So if they get lost, it would be great if you're awake to help them, too. We'll see if I decide to stay awake for too much longer. Well, also, uh, if you could could let it be known, you know, 
through the grapevine. Tree vine. Tree uh, roots. That, you know, (laughs) we are looking for them and that there's the possibility of a, a dwarven group coming later that would also be looking for them. If you or your brethren happen to be awake when they pass, if you could help. The next time one of the pixies comes through, I'll make sure to have them pass the word along. Thank you. Thanks, Ram. That's what I, I was going for. I don't know if that's going to happen soon, though. It's been pretty recent that they've harvested from my area. That's why I'm awake. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That would help us. And maybe by the time you do see that pixie, if they tell you that the null problem is over, then, then you know that you did help. I appreciate being helpful. Yes, we appreciate your help. Well, you'd best be going now. Head southwest, you said? Yes. And that is a perfect time for us to end the session tonight. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Aurelia. If you are liking what you hear, consider rating the show and leaving a review on Apple Podcast or Stitcher. If you know someone who likes fantasy stories and think they might like the show, help them find us by showing them adventuresinarelia.com, where they can listen to episodes, read our blog, and find links to subscribe to the show. We are also available in your favorite podcast apps. If you'd like to support the show, you can donate to us monthly on Patreon at patreon.com slash adventuresinarelia. $1 a month gets you access to all of our bonus content and helps us raise the funds needed to improve the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to feedback at adventuresinarelia.com or you can join our Discord server at adventuresinarelia.com slash Discord. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to thank battlebards.com for allowing us to use their songs and sound effects in our production. If you would like to bring these sounds from the world of Aurelia to your home games, sign up for Battlebards Prime. Uh, your BattleBards Prime subscription will give you access to stream all songs with their catalog, as well as 20% discount on all purchases. Use the coupon code Aurelia, that's E-R-Y-L-I-A, when signing up to get a 15% off the cost of your subscription. Lastly, we'd like to thank artists who allow us to use their music in our show. Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, Tabletop Audio, Windswept, Sirenscape, Alexander Nakarada from Serpent Sound Studios, and Adrian Von Ziegler. Also, Jamie Bryce and Derek and Brandon Feichter and Scott Buckley. You can find links to all of these wonderful artists at adventuresinarelia.com slash music.